You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, I hope you all had a good Christmas. Um, we had a great Christmas. I told you last week we, I didn't have to drive. I didn't have to drive anywhere. I got to stay home the whole day. It was the best. Um, it was so nice. To, this was the first time. My parents couldn't believe it. This is the first time since Sarah and I have been married that we spent Christmas in our own home. Um, so for seven years, we've not gotten to do it in our own home. And so this was awesome. It was a ton of fun. And we got to enjoy that time as a family. And I hope it was the same for you. I was shocked in this Christmas season as I would, you know, there's all these different Christmas programs. People are doing Christmas stuff, and it's all televised, right? There was the, yesterday morning, we, we caught the end of uh, the, the Disney Christmas Day parade, or whatever that was. I didn't know that was a thing. I was trying to find a football game, but they hadn't started yet. So we turned that on, and I'm listening to these people, and I'm, you know, the narrative has been for us that, Everybody wants to keep their distance. Everybody wants to stay separated. Everybody still wants this. Everybody wants you to do this over here, and I'm going to do this over here. Let's stay away from one another. Everybody's wanted that. That's what you hear. If you turn on the news, if you read the newspaper, that's what it's talking about. Everybody still wants to be distant from one another. But then you look at these things like Disney hosting this massive parade. Everybody's like, this is the greatest thing ever. We're all back together. This is wonderful. And they're celebrating being back together. People that are not of God are celebrating the reality. And whether they know it or not, they're recognizing the fact that we were made for one another and we were not made to be apart. Right. And anybody with any logic to them would understand that. As you see how depression has increased, anxiety has increased, suicide rates have increased. We are not meant to be separated from one another. And at the same time, I'm hearing these songs that plain as day, mention the name of Jesus in their Christmas songs, but they mention the name of Jesus. And I'm watching this as this is covered on a major news network that would not say anything about Jesus, doesn't want churches to meet, was, you know, months earlier was wanting to nail the door shut on churches because they're being irresponsible for still meeting. And then they're televising a song, whether it's Christmas or not, I don't care. If you speak the name of Jesus, you're speaking the name of Jesus. I couldn't believe I was hearing these people speak the name of Jesus. It was blowing my mind. I, you know, it was so much fun. Uh, I love, you guys know that I love watching football and I love watching college football, but it was so much fun to hear every game. I'm, I'm telling you, every single game I watched, the announcers talked on and on about how great it is to have people in the stands, how great it is to be together again, how great it is that we can come together again and celebrate something as silly as a game of football but how great it was to be together. And there's this constant theme in the world right now of gratefulness, even though everything that has power that could and and desires to use that power to keep us separated, and it's trying to keep us separated, in spite of that, everybody is still celebrating the fact that we can be together again, right? And it's a beautiful thing to see. I've said this before as well. The stage has never been so set for people to see Jesus, Because they don't even care that they sing his name where 
A few years ago, they would have been like, absolutely not. That's an offensive song. You know, for Disney to say that they're having a Christmas Day parade, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and God bless. That's how they signed it off. I was just like, he said God. He said Christmas. You know, because how long ago was it where it was like, cancel Christmas. It's Happy Holidays, because if you say Christmas, it's a very offensive thing. Right? This was just... 2019, this is what we were dealing with before COVID. And now people are embracing these things again because they don't care as long as they get to be together. They're not offended by the things that they used to be offended by, right? And we talked about this last week. It's when we allow the Lord to define the narrative and we don't pursue things that are of this world to tell us what's actually going on. And we allow the Lord to define the narrative. He'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear the desperation in people because they desire to be with one another and they desire what they're made for, which is him. They yearn for what they, they yearn for that which they do not know, which is God. And whether we uh, want to acknowledge that or not, the world around us is yearning for their creator. And it is so, such a wonderful and exciting time for us to put him on display in a different way. Because people are now looking with new eyes at things that they used to be offended by, and now they're not offended. And so now there's an ear to hear. There's an opportunity for us to speak truth and be kind, right? Be vessels for his kindness, be vessels for his love without judgment, without anything attached, without any measuring, without any scale, but just be kind and just love them because Christ died for them, the same he died for me, same he died for you. And in that, they see an accurate reflection of who Jesus is and who he is to them, and how he is for them. And so it's just, and I I know this is a lot. I'm thinking about all this in my PJs on the couch Christmas morning. And so I'm just excited for what is to come, because this will make more sense next week, but there is just so much life that the Lord is ready to water, that these, these ecosystems where there should not be life, there will be life because of consistency from the people of God, because they show love and they show kindness and they put him on display and they awaken the dawn in those around them. And because they do that, there will be life where there should not be life. And I can't imagine a better place for there to be life where there should not be life than Sundown, Texas, right? This is not a place that you would think would be a thriving place, but under the kingdom of God, it is meant to thrive and it is meant to accomplish great and mighty things because the people that fill it, amen? Well, that has nothing to do with this morning. So you're welcome. You got a two-parter, okay? Flip the disc, intermission's over, new sermon. If you'll turn with me now to Isaiah 9, and this, it does have a little bit to do with what we'll be talking about over the next two weeks, really. And this morning, it's short, sweet, to the point is the title of this morning. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my staff because when they preach, they waste no time telling you what the Lord has for you that morning and then they're gone. They say it and then they're off the stage. And part of that is just because they really hate being up here. They hate it. I don't think I have a single staff member that's like, oh yeah, I get to preach. They don't enjoy it. But in that, we see a different kind of beauty because they say what the Lord has for them to say directly to us, and then that's all there is to it. We've made church to be sometimes that there has to be. You've, I, re, I worked at a church. 
I played in the worship band and worked at this church where to the second, everything was planned. I'm telling you to the second. So if service started at zero, music was going to be done by 1508. It's like, that's when we'll be finished. And there was a clock. It's like, this is, I mean, downbeat on the last song. Boom, 1508. We're done. We're off. 1515. 15 minutes, 15 seconds, opening prayer. And you're just like, this is insane. It was so structured. And we've done that with church. But today it's just, all that to say, today is going to be short and sweet and to the point. We're in Isaiah 9. Verse one, mainly because this is not anything that we need to elaborate on any further. This is a group of people that understand this. Those that are at home, I know you understand it. Um, This is not something that's hard for us to get our minds around. Just maybe something we haven't thought of with this verse in particular. So Isaiah nine will be in verse one. We're going to read the first seven verses of this passage. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land, the land of Zebulun and the land of uh, Nephtali. I had that earlier. I practiced and then I forgot. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, trumlet, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Verse six. This is the popular one out of this passage. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. To us a child is born, and these are the names. These are the names given. These are the names that he has. And these names given are based on the nature that has been displayed. Now, names, we've talked about this a little bit, um, but I love understanding the concept of names in the Old Testament, and it really just in the Bible, throughout Scripture, we have to understand, it's so important to understand the context of the time in which this was written. Because it puts so much meaning behind the simple things, like a name that is given. Names nowadays, if we like them, if we like the sound of a name, that's normally the name you go with. If it's a family name, like if we're naming kids, if we're naming people or dogs or whatever, there's not a meaning that we come to first. Oftentimes, there's not a meaning that we come to first and then give them the name. For instance, my mom loved the name Parker. That literally translates to the guardian of the park. She did not believe that I would be this warrior that stood before the playground to protect it. She just liked the name Parker, right? The meaning was 
whatever. It, it's the same reason why Jacob, people like the name Jacob. It sounds nice. My dad's name is Jacob. It translates to liar and deceiver. So if you're going for meaning, you didn't do very great on that one, right? Kind of set up for some failure. Or uh, I, I remember sitting in a church one time and they were talking about Jacob and I'm sitting next to my father and the pastor goes, whoever would name their kid Jacob is an idiot. And I'm just sitting like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> and my dad just like, yeah, I guess, I don't know. Uh, but anyways, names are mostly given now because we like the, the, the name, we like the sound of it. Uh, it's unique. Um, but names were given back then. They were created they created a name for the definition that they already had, right? Like in, in Genesis twenty two fourteen. In Genesis twenty two fourteen, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm going to go there real quick. We, we talked about this last week, uh, or two weeks ago in Sunday school. We were looking at Abraham and the sacrifice, what was necessary for him to lay his son on the altar. And there's a lot of beautiful things that were necessary for that to take place. But in that, And we know the story. The Lord provides this ram because he saw the faithfulness of Abraham. He saw that he was going to be obedient. So he provides him this ram because he knows that Abraham will not uh, withhold anything from him. And so verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And so it has an actual name that means the Lord will provide. But he, because of the testimony that he had from the moment, he named that place based on the testimony and that later came to a name. Does that make sense? Uh, back then, in, the, uh, in these days, they, they would have a meaning. This is what I want it to mean. And then they would create a name based on the testimony or the action that they've experienced in these places. Okay? And so names, uh, there were meanings first and then there was a name. Action and then a name. Testimony of the name before the name is given. And so all this to say that names have evidence of their meanings. Jacob means liar and deceiver, and we know throughout Scripture he put that on display constantly. He put on display liar and deceiver constantly throughout Scripture, throughout his life. But the Trinity, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, these are names given to action shown. Right? Would you, would you disagree with that? These are names given based on the testimony that they have been seen. We have seen that he is a wonderful counselor. We have seen that he's a mighty God. We have seen that he's an everlasting father. And we have seen and discovered that he is the Prince of Peace. Right? Are there anyone in here that would dispute that those are the names that he has? Would you dispute that I have never encountered that of him? I have never encountered this wonderful counselor. I've never encountered this mighty God or this everlasting father or this prince of peace. I don't believe that there's one of us in here that would argue with that because they have put that on display in our own stories. So in accordance with last week, we are meant to awaken the dawn in the world around us. And they should see who we serve in us, should they not? Just like what we were talking about last week. What should they encounter? What should they experience when they come into the presence of God who dwells in us? They should recognize very quickly. They should be left after we leave this 
interaction with them, if, even if we're just standing behind them in the grocery store, not talking to them, but they should be in the presence of God because we carry the presence of God. Amen? We are designed to do that very thing, carry the presence of God into these places. And they should encounter that God is good. They should encounter that nothing is impossible. They should encounter these things, right? And so they should also see in us that He is a wonderful counselor, that He is a mighty God, that He is an everlasting Father, and that He is a Prince of Peace. And I say that in this time, in this time because has there ever been a better time, a more important time for them to see God in these ways? For them to see the fullness of who God is called to be. The names that he has been given based on his actions. They should see that we turn to this wonderful counselor in times of conflict, in times of grief, in times of uncertainty. Right? They should see that we turn to this wonderful counselor for guidance in any and everything. They should see that we don't stand in turmoil. We don't... don't, strive to figure it out, but that we turn and we lend our ear to our wonderful counselor. Should they not see that? They should see that in our stories. They should see that we serve a mighty God. Now, if you believe he's a mighty God, we believe too that there is nothing that can come against God's elect. Amen. And if we believe that and we believe that we serve and we are a member to and we have been adopted by a mighty God, We look different as we go into the world that is full of uncertainty and that is currently still shaking. Shaking at its core, so much of what we thought we could trust is still to this day shaking that we would not put our trust in it again. But that people would look and they would see what is not shaking. It's the lighthouse. God, a mighty God, He is a lighthouse. There are storms, there are waves crashing against the shore, but the lighthouse shines and is not fearful of the storm. It does what it is meant to do regardless of the storm. It does it in calm seas and it does it in rough seas. It shines as it was meant to shine. And they should see that we are rooted in that which will not waver, will not be shaken by the things that are going on around us. Amen? We, sh- we serve the mighty God. They should see that we serve the mighty God. And that we are sons and daughters to the everlasting Father. And that's really coming coming to this worth thing that we struggle with in the Christian world. We don't find ourselves to be worthy of very much. And we disguise it as humility. That is not humility. Humility is recognizing that it's not by my works, but by His alone. It's not by my doing that the presence of God can change the world around me, but by His alone and my obedience to Him. That's humility. This disguised humility that we see in the Christian church of, I am not worthy. I am low. I am. He sacrificed for something that was not worth saving. Right? We see that in the church. It's like, then he wouldn't have sacrificed if you weren't worth saving. And he doesn't glorify that which is not worthy of glory. But he has glorified us with his son. He has allowed the presence of God. He has designed us to be the holy temple for which the presence of God dwells. You are sons and daughters to that. That's important to recognize. The significance that you carry. No, you're not special. You are significant. You are a significant son. You are a significant daughter. And there is only one of you. And there will never be a repeat of you. And the world around us should see that. 
Because the world around us has too many people that don't like themselves. They don't need any more Christians that don't like themselves. We can't do that. And you can't give away what you don't have. And so if you don't find yourself to have any worth, how can you make somebody else feel worthy? How can you give away worth to someone when you yourself have not received it? You can't. But you are a son and daughter. You have been adopted into the kingdom of heaven. The son of God believed that obedience to the father to save you was worth it. And he did it. And all the world has been forgiven of sin by the blood of Jesus. And we have been saved by our faith in Jesus, laid to him uh, in death and risen again. The grave has no hold on us, sons and daughters, because we are sons and daughters to the everlasting father. And they should see the confidence in us with that belief as we go about our day to day. They should see that I know that I am a son to the everlasting father. And that they too are made for the everlasting father. The one that there is no beginning, there is no end, there is no end to his heart for us, there is no end to his love for us, there is no end to what he will do, how far he will go. He's the father that leaves the 99 behind to find the one. But when we believe that about ourselves to be true, then we can give it away. But they should experience that. If he is, if this God, this God of Isaiah 9, this Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, this, this Jesus that came, this baby that we just got done celebrating yesterday, if this is the Lord and Savior of our life, they should encounter his identities in us. And he is our brother and he is our co-heir and our co-heir just happens to be named the Prince of Peace. Peace that surpasses comprehension. He's the prince of it. He's the, he is the offspring of peace. He is the creator of peace. He is the one that surpasses comprehension and understanding. So is there ever a day, ever a moment where they should see us instability and no peace, uncertainty, Doubt, fear, these things are in opposition to peace. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy through fear, doubt, and division. There is no evidence of peace in fear, doubt, and division. It's quite the opposite. You want to know what the opposite of peace is? Fear, doubt, and division are the opposite of peace. But we have been created for peace and the co-heir. Our co-heir is the prince of peace. And the the one that we have been called to co-labor with is the Prince of Peace. So in us, should there be a moment where they do not see the evidence of the Prince of Peace? Because again, where in your story has worrying about your situation and refusing peace and striving to fix it and having turmoil, when has that worked out in your favor? It hasn't. I I don't know all of your stories very well, but I know the answer to that question With 100% certainty, it's never worked out in your favor. To struggle and strive and have turmoil over that which you cannot control and not allow the Prince of Peace to rule over your days and to give you the new perspective because turmoil gives you a very, very small perspective. It's like if I was looking at a painting, you know, Ibby used to do these wonderful paintings here and there's, there's black in some of these paintings. Shading, beautiful. But that's like if I stood right there just on a black spot and I would think my world is very dark and I would be trying to fix it. 
But when we recognize who we serve as the Prince of Peace, we get to take a step back and we see all the colors. That black is just an aspect of it, but it's this beautiful and colorful picture that has so much vibrance and so much joy and so much peace all over it. Because we serve the Prince of Peace. That should be the evidence of our lives. They should see the Prince of Peace in us. So we are to put on display this God that we serve. And you will put on display who and what you serve. You want to know what your life is, a, is about and who you serve or what you serve in your story? Take a step back and begin to look on, at what you put on display. If it is not the wonderful counselor, if it is not a mighty God, if it is not an everlasting father and a prince of peace, you serve something that is not for you and you were not made for. Because when the world encounters us, they should encounter that which we serve. And we serve the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, who is good always, who works all things for the good of those that love him. I mean, just the the scriptures of promise that were for all of us, not the specific promises over your lives, just the promises that are spoken to all the children of God. Just think about those. And you tell me, is there a moment in our story where peace should not be found in it? Is there a moment in our story where we do not turn to the wonderful counselor? The thing about Abraham and laying up his son Isaac on the altar, one of the the keys to this moment was that he was quick to remember all that God had done. Where we are very quick to forget when a difficult moment comes, right? When God is there and God is working and everything's going good in our story. We're basking in the sunlight, but the second the clouds roll in, we're like, where has the Lord gone? Has he left? Has he changed? No, he hasn't changed anything. We're just quick to forget instead of being quick to remember. So I'm challenging you with this to recognize what in my story do I put on display? Do I put on a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace? Because right now there are people that have refused Jesus that are singing about Jesus. Right now, there are people that have said, we will not celebrate this this Christian holiday that is Christmas that are celebrating Christmas. People that won't mention the name of God that are mentioning the name of God. I have never seen the world so ready to find who they were made for and encounter Him. Who are they going to encounter Him through? Us. Those that are filled with the presence of God, the holy temples that he has designed that we would be his hands and feet and we would accurately put on display that we serve and we walk with and we love and we have been captured by this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father and a prince of peace. So I say that to you this morning as prep work for what is to come. It's a, it's a preparing word that we need to receive. We, it's just one of those where we just check ourselves real quick to make sure, okay, is this true? And in what area is this not true in my life so that I can make it true? I can make it be what they see in my story. I can correct that very quickly because of what the Lord has for us in this new year is very exciting if this is who we put on display. He's just made that very clear. I cannot wait to deliver this word to you next week. The Lord said, I can't give you any previews. So you're just gonna have to wait in suspense for seven days. Uh, but I'm excited for where the Lord is taking, not, not this house, but the people of God 
in this new year. The thing he desires to do in this new year, but so much is necessary for us. And really, I would, I would encourage you to go back and listen to sermons over the last few months because so much of it has been him tweaking things in us, showing us Jesus, and then showing where we were in this and tweaking things in us that this word that he desires to release could be received in fullness and lived out immediately, right? We're going into the new places. We're going into new depths. We've asked for God to do new things, and we've asked to discover new, new parts of him, new depths of his heart that have yet to be discovered, yet to have books written about. I want to know God in a way that Paul did not discover, right? I want to know the depths of his heart. I want to learn something new about Jesus because we've, we've walked into this new degree of glory, right? All that is learned of God has not been learned. All there is to know about God has not been figured out. There's too much. And I want to discover the new things with you. And he has that for us in this new year. But we have to recognize what is required of us to put on display all that he shows us. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.